Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello again, and welcome to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy. I'm your host, certified sex therapist Lori Watson, author of Wanting Sex Again, and blogger at Psychology Today and WebMD. And I have with me Dr. Adam Matthews, my co-host, who's a couples therapist, psychotherapist, and president of NCAMFT. Foreplay is dedicated to helping couples keep it hot. Each episode, we cover an aspect of sex that impacts your sex life and something that you can relate to. So if you find our discussions helpful, please give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. We would love it if you would tell a friend about us. You can find us also on the web at foreplayrst.com. And if you have a comment or a topic that you'd like us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Please send them to us at info at foreplayrst.com. Thanks for listening. Now on to today's topic. So Adam, we're going to talk about self-forgiveness and how it relates to sex and sexual health in a relationship this episode. Yeah. So really unforgiveness that you're holding against Against yourself, yourself. right? As opposed to against somebody else. What are the ways that you see that come up in your practice uh, with couples? I, I see so many people who hold against themselves a variety of issues and flaws and imperfections and out and out hurts that they have either committed against themselves or committed against somebody else. And, you know, it's a huge hang up. Some of the things that come to mind is, you know, I'm often dealing with maybe a faith filled couple who says, you know, we violated some line that we feel like was wrong you know, we had sex before we were married and we don't feel like that was the right thing to do. And mm-hmm. afterwards, they punish themselves with guilt with kind of a sexual shutdown. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about a young woman I know who it was funny. She, you know, she had no libido and she had kind of a condition called vaginismus, which is, as you and I know, but our, our listeners might not know, it's basically a physiological condition that the vagina does not allow penetration. Yeah. And so she, you know, she had this condition. It was too painful to have sex. And mm. I probably saw them for about eight months. And at one point, you know, with vaginismus, you kind of want to get to the point where you allow progressive dilation of the vagina. And that's that's the ultimate healing. Right. But she was so anxious, couldn't allow that. And eventually her, her husband said to me, uh, well, actually, we had sex once. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He goes, yeah, before we were married, we had a full-on sexual intercourse experience. And, you know, and it, it turns out that she'd had pain-free sex, but that in her mind, she'd, 
Sure. Even though she had enjoyed it and it, you know, it, it had actually added to their relationship as a good thing, she felt so guilty about it that from that point forward, she couldn't think about enjoying sex and yeah. she couldn't forgive herself. And she was holding it against and herself. She was, I mean, and literally she had forgotten that event. I mean, right. she didn't bring it up. When, when he brought it up, she was like, really? I mean, it, it was so far repressed. Yeah. She couldn't even remember it because she felt so bad about it. And and to me, I mean, that that was just one example and, yeah. and, and an extreme example. But I see lots of guilt-ridden couples who say, mm-hmm. you know, we, we cross this line. It seems to me as well, Lori, that it could be the things that we could be holding against ourselves could be really small or they could be really big. I mean, it seems like they could run the gamut and they still get in the way because we have been holding on to this thing and really punishing ourselves exactly more than anybody else by yeah. holding on to them, right? Yeah. Uh, I've had clients that are holding on to like trauma is one, any kind of sexual trauma that mm-hmm. has happened, particularly early in life, blame like our blame radar goes crazy, right? And yeah. we don't know who to we don't we blame everybody but the right person. And more often than not, we end up blaming ourselves yes. uh, for the trauma that happened. And hold on to that. And that becomes a lot of the work later on in therapy, right, is trying mm-hmm. to find a way mm-hmm. to forgive ourselves. But how do you, like, how does this affect, especially in partnered relationships, how does that affect, how do we take it out on our partners is what I'm trying to say. I guess the most common way I see people take out unforgiveness is, you know, through sort of a lack of libido, maybe mm-hmm. an approach to sex that is more wooden, you know, they don't participate with their whole soul. Mm-hmm. They they don't let that out again. I mean, I, I think one of the things that is insidious about sexual trauma is the part where the body might have been aroused inadvertently. You know, maybe the child was molested and found but was aroused. And right. so they blame themselves. You know, I was the seductress or I was, you know, somehow or another I caused this because of my mm-hmm. body response, which is just natural, right? I mean, they can't help that. And so they don't forgive themselves. And then they, they feel really tight about arousal, you know, responses. Yeah. You know, one of the things is maybe somebody who's married for a long time and they think, gosh, you know, I wasted so many years being inhibited. Mm. And they feel like all that regret and sorrow, you know, kind of holds them back from going forward. Mm. You know, maybe they could now have great sex, but they're they're filled with this regret of, you know, I just, you know, when I was young, when I was juicy, you know, yeah. I could have had this great stuff and I didn't. And, and they get bound up in that cycle of sort of not letting go of how they might have experienced freedom and it stops them from having freedom now. That's yeah. that's another good one I see. I'm, I'm just going to skate on past the fact that you said young and juicy. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I like it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel. <laughs> I'm quite totally sure how I feel about it. Anyway, um, uh, also, the the thing that I... <laughs> I get what you're saying there, dude. <laughs> what? <laughs> Dr. Adam explained that. <laughs> what? <laughs> young and juicy. Young, young and juicy? Yeah. I've never heard anybody say that before. Oh, really? No, really? I've never heard oh. anybody say, describe themselves as young and Just young for the record, juicy. Adam and I both grew up un- you know, inhibited and in inhibited lifestyles. I don't so. think that. <laughs> it's definitely not something I'm going to say to most people. Anyway, um, I think one of the things that you're talking about seems to be that 
unforgiveness disconnects us from our sexual selves. Yes. And that and I have I see that a lot in even I had a client who like you're saying, was more sexual in her teenage years Uh um, and ended up feeling very guilty about that. Right. Right. And so she disconnects from sex a lot through that. Yeah. Um, I mean, promiscuity is another issue that people have difficulty forgiving themselves for. Like, I didn't value myself enough and I gave myself away too much and I didn't care how people treated me or... You know, or I mean, one thing I've heard is like a man said, you know, if I hadn't been so promiscuous, I wouldn't have known how great sex was and I wouldn't be so disappointed in this marriage. I'm like, wow. I mean, people can hold just about anything against themselves. Yeah, but I think it really takes away your sexual power then, too, right? I mean, it takes away who you are and your ability to, like you've been saying, fully engaged with your Mm -hmm. with your partner in sex and really make it as enjoyable as it can be. Right. Right. I think that's that's the problem. I, you know, I, I often see people who have had affairs, too, and they can, you know, when they come to their senses, you know, they can hardly forgive themselves for their own ethical breach. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they they beat themselves up about that, too, and they can't rejoin their partner who may or may not be beating them up about it as well. You know, but at some point, that too often needs forgiveness when we've hurt another, let alone when we've hurt ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I think that because you know, the first couple of things we were talking about was more childhood and adolescent-based yeah. stuff. But there's all kinds of stuff as adults that we do to each other and how we hurt each other that makes unforgiveness kind of difficult in the relationship mm-hmm. and have a lot of blowback in the relationship as well. Yeah, but I think you're you're right in saying that it's the – it's the disconnect that our own self-loathing or our unforgiveness toward ourselves creates in the partnership and in the self, right? We, yeah. we can't be fully sexual and fully erotic when we hold all these things against ourselves. Yeah. It seems like a split. The person you were talking about it's who doesn't even remember what it was she doesn't want – does it, it cannot forgive herself of mm-hmm. – Right, it creates this real split, and the the split becomes between our our sexual selves and who we are currently, and that yeah. it makes it integration seems to be important there as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I wanted to say one last issue that I've heard recently, and that was a person who stayed in a sexless marriage for about thirty years, mm-hmm. and it was genuinely sexless, not just a little bit of sex, but really no sex, and had difficulty forgiving themselves for that. And I, you know, we're all about keeping marriages together and we have a lot of hope for people who are sexless. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that you leave a sexless marriage before you do everything you possibly can to, you know, get through it. But I mean, this person really, really could not figure out why he had stayed for so long. And it was so obvious that the marriage was not in truth a marriage, right? It was a partnership but a marriage has to be sexual in order for it to be considered, I think, that form of relationship. Right. Let's come back after the break and talk a little bit about how do we forgive these things that we've held against ourselves and how do we go forward in a way that could be healing to our own erotic self, the integration and healing in our partnerships. Sounds good. Okay. We'll be right back. You're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with your sex therapist, Lori Watson, and Dr. Adam Matthews, your couples therapist. Right back.
Wanting Sex Again, How to Rediscover Desire and Heal a Sexless Marriage by Certified Sex Therapist Lori Watson. Each chapter is designed to fix one of the problems that cause low libido, from early marriage through the childbearing years, even all the way through menopause. I've also had men read it and tell me that for them it was the most hopeful thing they read about resolving sexual problems. Look for Wanting Sex Again on Amazon.com. You can also talk to Lori Watson for therapy in person or via Skype. I offer couples counseling and sex therapy and I think about both aspects of the relationship, emotional intimacy and sexual technique and that combination together helps marriages be happy. Weekend couples intensives are also offered. Improve your sex and improve your relationship with Awakening Center for Couples and Intimacy. Find out more at awakenloveandsex.com. Awaken what's possible. It is one of my great joys in life to be able to really help individuals and couples find strength in their relationships and really find hope again. Licensed marriage and family therapist, Dr. Adam Matthews from Matthews Counseling. I work with a wide variety of issues, including depression and anxiety, marital issues, issues with adolescence. I believe that therapy should be designed around you, that it should be personalized to who you are and to your unique situation. Therapy is available in office, online, and by phone. I want therapy to be comfortable for everyone. At our office, you'll find that we sit around a fireplace in deep, comfortable chairs, look at the problem differently, and offer practical solutions for you to take home and utilize outside of the therapy room. Schedule today and rediscover hope. You can find me on the web at matthewscounseling.net. Matthew's with one T. You can contact us through email or phone and find a lot of resources on our website, matthewscounseling.net. Okay, we're back with Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy, Lori Watson and Dr. Adam Matthews. We're going to talk about how you forgive the self for things that are separating you from your own eroticism and separating you from the sexual relationship. When you feel like somehow or another you did something or something happened and you need to kind of mend that internally, not not between you and another, but just on the inside and you need to forgive yourself and what do you think about self-forgiveness well i was going to ask you Lord, do you <laughs> set up there i honestly wonder if it's possible to forgive yourself okay explain that to me well i think i think there is something healing about getting the forgiveness of someone else sure you know? sure absolutely and and that there is a sense of which to me that it is easier it may be semantics, but to accept what has happened or whatever whatever event has transpired in the context of a relationship with somebody else mm-hmm. or something outside of myself, that it's mm-hmm. very hard to generate forgiveness from inside, which is why we're so good at denial and so good at brushing things off and pushing them away rather than actually mm-hmm. dealing with them because of the difficulty of generating that from mm-hmm. from the inside. But I know you disagree with me, so. Well, I, I mean, I think you're thinking about this in a very complex way. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the things that come up for me are, you know, yes, you're not saying necessarily that we have to make reparation with the other because that's not, not always cases. possible. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And it's um, and sometimes, sometimes it's, it's not healthy. Sometimes it's not healthy. And sometimes yeah. it really is about 
something that we feel we've done to ourselves. Yeah. So we are the party. I, I mean, I think one place of agreement that I have with you is that by talking about it with another, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of sheds light on the issue. Yeah. And many of these things we need to talk about. And so it's kind of in the context of another's acceptance of us, perhaps, mm-hmm. or empathic care about us, you know, and, and what we went through, that we're able to find, I think, a place of relief and healing and, mm-hmm. you know, thinking, obviously, as a therapist, we're doing that all the time, right? We are essentially the confessional, the modern-day yeah. confessional sure. that people tell us what's what's going on on the inside and we help them find their way through it. Um, but that is but that is also why I think things like religion, I mean, you mentioned the confessional, like that's why people go see the priest, right? Sure. It's because they're, they're offering, the priest is offering forgiveness for something that the priest had nothing to do with, uh-huh. right? And not to mention offering the forgiveness of a higher power. And so I think sure. one of the things that that people get out of that is an ability to have somebody else offer that forgiveness that that I can then accept, mm-hmm. right? I can then hold on to that. But, um, and, but we don't offer our clients forgiveness particularly. Um, yeah, I, mean, I, I mean, think not we, not directly. Yeah, I, I mean, I think one issue in terms of coming to a place of acceptance or forgiveness is contextualization. Sure, you know, and developmental thinking. So, for instance, you know, well, I uh, engaged in sex play when I was eight. You know, and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know, I worry about that. I think about that or whatever. And it's like, okay, but most eight-year-olds are engaged in sexual play. You know, on some level, they are experimenting. And, you know, was there – I mean, we we think about it that way versus, you know, was there harm? Was there force? I mean, we help a person who might have guilty feelings about something that maybe doesn't need guilt. We're not saying, hey, that's normal. You're normal. But we're helping them think through – you know, this is what developmentally happens. Right. Um, I mean, I think a lot about, you know, the the person who was inhibited. And it's mm-hmm. like, okay, but, you know, your your parent was an alcoholic. You know, to be, to let loose, to be free sexually is to be able to relax, yeah. to explore the body. And it was not safe in your home to let loose. Mm. You know, you had to stay tight. You And so when you started dating, let's say, you know, it wasn't, okay to experiment, to let your guard down, you know, even by the time you got married, even worse, because then suddenly you were in the shoes of, you know, you were a spouse, your partner, you know, was now your husband. And, you know, all of this context about why it isn't safe to let go. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then, you know, 20 years later, they're like, gosh, you know, I lost the marriage. I... I was tight in many ways. You know, I wasn't affectionate with my children. I I could never let down. And look at all the damage that I did to me, to my partnership, to my kids. You know, how do I forgive myself for this? And potentially now in this second relationship, go forward, you know, be old and juicy. (laughs) (laughs) Old old and juicy. There you You go. All right. I mean, how do I do that so that I... I'm not hung up over this. And I think it's the contextualization yeah. that we're giving people. We're not saying we forgive you, right? But we're saying, but we can understand why you held yourself so tightly given your family history, mm-hmm. given your assumptions about what it would be like to lose control. Yeah. And sex is a place we have to, for sex to be great, right? Mm-hmm. We have to be willing to give up control. Yeah. And I don't, I don't disagree with you there. I think that 
though in relationship, um, you know, I don't think a therapist necessarily offers forgiveness, but I think in a lot of ways they stand in for a mm-hmm. relationship that is lacking in the client's life offering. And a lot of times, you know, there's some professional parts of that, but sure. ultimately there's a, sure. there's a relationship there. Um, and there's a vulnerability there that they may not necessarily be getting in other places. Yes. And so yeah. like, I mean, we stand in as empathic, right? Yeah, that's right. And that empathy, I think, is key in forgiveness, right? You have mm-hmm. to, you have to be able. If if I'm going to forgive you, I have to be somewhat empathic to your situation mm-hmm. and to to what happened mm-hmm. and how you hurt me. But in that, like having somebody else, uh, my wife, for instance, like you mentioned, like if I'd have been married for a long time and I felt really guilty about that, if I was holding a lot of things against myself, and then I met my wife, we get married, and I, you know, how however else everything happened. She gets. She still has the ability to offer me a level of forgiveness over that past, mm. right? That that is needed, right? Because I'm bringing. I'm in some ways the feeling may be even if it's an incorrect feeling. The feeling may be that I'm bringing my past into this relationship, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. the vulnerability that I get to show there, and then the empathy that she then gets to extend to me by forgiving me can be very healing. And that happens in... in, Yeah, and I I love what you're saying, Adam, because I I agree that marriage is a healing place, can be Mm, a healing place, right? And and that is probably by the highest design, a place that we heal each other from the many, many wounds and slings and arrows of life. Um, So I, I think, yeah, you're right that... You know, if we bring in inhibition or if we bring in whatever and our partner says, you know, I accept you and and I can see this. I mean, it's essentially what you're saying therapy does is it's an empathic stand in. But in that empathy and love, I mean, I think we have to find self empathy and love. We we have to somehow or another get over it. You know, I I mean, I, I think one thing that is really scary for people to get over is an acceptance that we're flawed, you know, that we have problems sure. that, and many people, when they face that for the first time, that I have brought these problems to the relationship or I, I hold on to something that isn't healthy for me. It's like unbearable vulnerability. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel, a sh- I feel shame at being flawed. I, I will say my, my husband, you know, God love him. He is like able to talk about his flaws without much shame. You know, and it's a really beautiful thing. And sometimes when I listen to him, you know, I just kind of cringe. It's like, oh, I don't know if I could be that open with, you know, the things that I've done that were not good. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know it's so healthy, you know, and, and I, I think he experiences growth faster than I do because he accepts that he's, he's human. He's imperfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that acceptance allows him to move past things faster than you know, the part of me maybe that wants to cover up my my shame over my imperfections. Yeah. Uh, does that make sense? It, do, it does make sense. You know, I don't want to belabor a point. I think that there's an element to that acceptance comes in context of, of others, mm-hmm. right? And so if it wasn't, for, if he didn't get that first with you, he had he mm-hmm. got that first with, with somebody mm-hmm. else. And I think... Sometimes he gets it with me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he does. Um, but I think... Maybe maybe this would help. This would help me because one of the ways that I would also characterize, I would say, self forgiveness is also acceptance of all the things that you're talking about, right? 
that it that it that there's an acceptance of my flaws. There's an acceptance that I can share those flaws, and I'm not going to be rejected for them. But uh, I, I think what you're saying is, I mean, if we are in a closed cycle, right? Mm-hmm. If if all we ever do is think our own thoughts, we have no new information that would allow for forgiveness and yes. a new way of thinking about it, or care to come in because we are who we are. We we need other people's thoughts and you know, the thoughts of greater people than us. There, I think that's a great way to put it because what we need is somebody else to validate that our acceptance is okay Yeah. of ourselves, that our self-forgiveness is okay. Yeah. But I, but I like what you're saying there, especially about the flaws, that that has to be we, – we see we see all of ourselves and all of ourselves is, is known. All of mm-hmm. my flaws and all of my strengths are known. I'm okay with them. People I love and care for are, are okay with them, mm-hmm. and and we all we it's can a, see them. It's a tall order, isn't it? Yes, well, you I know, think to yeah. to accept another. I mean, we because accepting another's vulnerability is scary. Yeah, you know, like like oh gosh, maybe you're not the knight in shining armor that I'm going to need, right? Mm-hmm. Because I already know I'm not the, you know, the princess and all mm-hmm. that. Yeah, it's it's. I think what we're saying is this is difficult stuff. I mean, I think in terms of self-forgiveness, you know, if you can make reparation, if you have hurt somebody sexually, like, you know, the person who knowingly infected somebody with herpes, right? I mean, you got to call that person. Otherwise, your own guilt, you know, if if reparation is possible, you're, you know, suffering guilt when you could get rid of it, even though it might be hurtful, is probably better. You know, obviously after an affair, you know, is coming clean, cutting off that other the other person that's outside the relationship, mm-hmm. um, not telling every little last detail, but telling the basics so that your partner can stand on solid ground again, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of know that. I mean, there are ways that reparation, making amends in the 12-step, you know, tradition is important. Yeah. But sometimes that's not necessarily possible or realistic. I, I think that you know, one thing is to understand our own situational stressors. You know, like I remember being an imperfect mother. You know, that that to me is probably one of my hardest things to accept, that I'm not somehow or another perfect. You know, I knew developmental theory. I was in school. I read all, every book and it still failed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's not having to do with sex, but it is having to do with the place of self-forgiveness that I struggle with, of just not being perfect as a parent. and. Yeah. You know, seeing my kids as they grow up and the difficulties that they have. And, of course, you know, I'm all about developmental theory that all the all the junk comes from our family of origin. So when I see them struggling, it's like it, it comes back on me. And yeah. I think some of it is understanding situational stressors. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I was without family. You know, I didn't have those support systems that some people did and needed mm-hmm. and, you know, wished I had had that might have helped. And I think – Forgiveness, it has to be contextual. You have to look at yourself and say, okay, yeah, you know, you you blew it that one day. Yeah. You know, you blew up at your kid and it's like, and your partner had been traveling and mm-hmm. your kids had been sick and you had been sick. And, you know, I mean, there's a way to contextualize issues. And yeah. again, not well, necessarily think, talking about sex right here, but. Yeah, but then I think that's it's important because it then frees you up to be able mm-hmm. to engage in sex fully and wholly and fully yeah. connected to yourself. You know, I think that there's there's with the contextualization piece you're talking about too in uh, abuse cases, a lot of abuse cases uh, that I see or uh, adult survivors um, of abuse going back and realizing even this, I was six, 
Mm-hmm. I was eight, right? And I couldn't having, say no. I, I was dependent. No. I mean, yeah. yeah, a lot of guilt from that's survivors guilt about it. somehow or another I should have stopped this. It's like, mm-hmm. no, you, you know, that stepfather was providing food and shelter. You yeah. actually could not have yeah. stopped it. Like yeah. they, the guilt. Um, yeah. yeah. So absolutely. all all those factors that go into it that you're talking about provide context for it that give you more of a picture of what was actually happening and what what was really going on in any situation that you're feeling guilty about, that you're feeling un, uh, like you're holding something against yourself for. Yeah. So I think, you know, what I would say for our listeners is, you know, as you think about having more freedom sexually, one place to start is inside the self. You know, what are the things that you might hold against yourself sexually? Hmm. You know, was it too much, too little, too wrong somewhere or the other? And is there a way you can work on letting that go? I say, let go in five minute increments. Like, Mm. what is it like to be free for five minutes from guilt and shame? You know, can you for five minutes sit there and just not feel that for a little bit? Let it go for just a little bit, because five minutes can become 10 minutes, can become a day, can become a Mm. month, a year, and it can change a relationship. So, You know, really, I mean, it's kind of a meditation just to say, what would it be like for five minutes to say, you know, I let that go. You know, I forgive myself. So so we want you to be whole and healthy out there sexually. Please think about self-forgiveness. And you're listening to Foreplay Radio Sex Therapy with sex therapist Lori Watson and couples therapist Dr. Adam Matthews. Thanks for listening. Hey, help us stay on top here at Foreplay. We'd love it if you would subscribe and share it with your friends. And please take one sec and rate and review us. Thanks so much. 